0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. So we are slowly but surely approaching the holiday season. And it's something about the holiday season when you think about the amount of stress that you probably experience. Uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that's like within a month apart. It's like, who? never mind, I'm not going to go into that. But, uh, but the stress is at an all-time high. And I, and I think about when I was preparing for this, this sermon, how relevant uh, this, this idea of hosting, right? You've probably been on the other side that you're, you're welcoming somebody to come and, and to stay with you. And so you are hectic. You, you, are, you are cleaning areas that you probably haven't cleaned in a while. You finally fold them clothes on the, on the bed and uh, you, you, you have to get some candles. You have to stock the refrigerator with uh, different kinds of snacks and refreshments for your guests to come. After all, that's probably the most hospitable thing to do. And you've probably been on the other side. Someone is stressing themselves out because you're coming in town to, to stay with them, maybe for the holidays or for the weekend. And you walk in, house smell fresh, freshly baked cookies on the counter, almond milk for those of you who are lactose. Um, the bed is made neatly fresh towels and a, a basket of snacks. You feel really loved. And when I, I think about that, that person, that person's presence mattered to you so much so, you will go through extreme efforts to provide provisions for this person to show up and to feel appreciated, to feel loved. And, and I believe, brothers and sisters, if you just stay with me, that, that God is communicating something of that nature on a much deeper level. That God is, is showing up, that He's coming to, to stay with His peoples. But there are some specific instructions. God has a list. He's not being bougie or, uh, or, or uppity. His, 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 I, know, I hope those are appropriate words. Sorry, parents, if your kid asks you, what's bougie and uppity? Um, but it's, it's only right. This is a holy God, and His presence matters. And when I think about how do you honor someone's presence, you, you rearrange your life. You make sacrifices to show your appreciation for that person's presence. And that's why I believe I land on my main idea for our sermon this morning, which is because God graciously chose to live near His people. We should honor his presence with our lives. God chose to come near to his people. Therefore, we should honor his presence with our lives. Let me jog your memory. We still slowly but surely track it through Exodus. And God has established a relationship with his people. God has communicated this covenant. With his people. And a covenant is basically an agreement. It's this beautiful promise, this unbreakable promise that God will be steadfast and he will be faithful to his people. In Exodus chapter 20 through 23, God says, Okay, I'm establishing my relationship with you, but let me give you some, some instruction, some, some guidelines as to how we're going to live out this relationship. How are you going to live out this relationship with me, but also how are you going to live out this relationship with other people? And as we move to our text this morning, what's a healthy relationship without proximity? God said, it's one thing that I'm telling you, that I'm going to do these things for you, that you're going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God, but I'm coming close. I'm coming near to you so that you can feel my presence with you. And this isn't a light event when God comes near to his people. In other words, God is expecting his people to prepare themselves. God is expecting you to prepare yourselves accordingly because the one and true living God is coming near to us. And so what I want to do with the short time that we have, I, 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 I want to walk, do an overview because I got seven chapters, and there's no way I can cover seven chapters within a short amount of time. But I want us to pull out from this narrative three ways we should honor God's presence when he draws near. Three ways we should honor God's presence when he draws near. First, I believe that we must start from the beginning, and number one, his, his, his old presence that was in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. But before we camp out in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, I must submit a question to us, downtown church. How does God expect us to honor his presence and I believe in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God expected his people to honor his presence by following his house rules. Somebody came in your house, wouldn't you expect them to follow your rules, Miss Christmas? <laughs> you just can't come in and just do anything you want to do. Those rules are there for a reason. Moses told us in detail of this beautiful dwelling place on earth called Eden that God built, or he spoke into existence. He created man and woman, and everything was very good. I mean, can you imagine that God was the best roommate to have? <laughs> I mean, it says, Moses tells us that Adam and Eve, they, they walked with God in the cool of the day. <laughs> My mind is just it's just, it's just going to all kinds of places just to imagine walking with God and being in close proximity with God. And God basically said, you in my house, you can have access to any room. You got access to the pickleball court outside. <laughs> you got access to the fridge and the pantry. Everything is stocked with the best, your favorite. You got access to all of my cars, I know they didn't have cars back in the day, but roll with me through the illustration. But God said, There's one place in a house that's off limits. Trust me, don't go there. Enjoy everything else, but stay off that. What does Adam and Eve do? They couldn't resist themselves, they failed prey to the temptations of Satan and gave in and disobeyed God and disrespected his house rules. They didn't honor God's presence, and neither do we. How many times have we forfeited blessings and and joy and peace and comfort that comes with being in God's presence for temporarily satisfaction, for wanting control of our lives, for, from, from idolizing comfort when God is calling us to something greater in Him. And we too, every single day, brothers and sisters, your brother, pastor included, we fall victims to Satan's whispers and his lies. You say, I know God said that, but do you really believe that? Do you really believe you can be content in that season? Look at your friends. Look where they are. We're coming up on the holidays. You're going to have family members questioning your devotion to the Lord, questioning decisions you made. And it's easy for us to say, God, you know what? I know you set up life to flourish in this way. I've even tasted it and I've experienced it. But you know what? I would much rather go this way because it feels better. It doesn't require as much. Because honestly, God, I think you're withholding. You say, to, Don't go in that room, but I got a peek inside myself. God says, Trust me. But thankfully, God is gracious in this relationship with his covenant people that he just doesn't distance himself. Even though Adam and Eve essentially got evicted, they got kicked out of his house because they didn't honor his presence. But thank God he didn't turn his back on us forever. And that's what leads me to our second takeaway, the second way we can honor God with his presence. So we've seen the old residence, if you will, in Eden. Now let me catch us up to our current place in the text, his new residence in Exodus chapter 25 through 40, the tabernacle. And God, God expects us to honor him, to honor his presence by bringing him the best. Now, I didn't have Tatiana read all those uh, verses, but I encourage you to read those, those descriptive verses again in Exodus chapter 25, really through 31, but you can extend it to 40. And God gives extensive intentional detail about his house, his new residence, if you will. Here's two things that we can really take away from all these different Details that God has given over the course of these six to I'm sorry, 15 chapters. God is communicating that He's holy. If He's instructing Moses, He's instructing His people to build a house. He would go through all these details about all the different furnishings. He's communicating that He's set apart, that I'm not just about to just show up in any old house. I'm letting you know my preferences, I'm letting you know what I'm expecting. But also, secondly, we can can learn from this, is that it's not a one-man show. Even though Moses is God's appointed person, he's the appointed priest, he's the appointed leader, there's no way Moses can do this by himself. So there is this communal aspect that God is inviting us, that as he lays out all these things that he wants in his tabernacle, in his dwelling place, everybody was enlisted. I got a picture of the tabernacle of essentially what it what it looked like. And I apologize. This is like the best picture I can find uh, for those of you in the back. Or, uh, But he, I will break this down even more. But what color stands out to you the most? Gold. And what other color stands out to you the most? Yellow, purple. Purple and gold. Some of them. Gold is the most expensive type of uh, material that there are, and and even purple, what it represents, the the royalty. And so, in other words, God has enlisted his his community, his, his people, to come together and bring what they had in order to build this house. And I think about even us, brothers and sisters. God is very concerned about what you have and what you're using in order to bring honor to him. You may be asked for a test, man, I feel like my value is real low right now. I'm, I'm, I'm in between jobs. The bills are stacking up. What, 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 what do I really have to offer to God? I'm not even specifically talking about tithes and offering. But even the little that you have, God will bless. Probably San Ortez, I'm, I'm not a, speaking in front of many people. I'm, I'm a middle school student. <laughs> I'm just trying to go to school, do my work. I got some extracurricular activities. I, I, I love the Lord, but what, what do I have to offer to God? You got your story. The fact that you're even here, the fact that you ask your mom and dad, your grandpa, your uncle about different stories in the Bible, God is speaking through you. He wants to use you as a light. No matter where you fall on the spectrum, no matter your socioeconomic status, no matter what zip code you live in, no matter your family of origin, God wants to use all of those things in order to bring honor to him in order to make his name great. Also, God wants us to know that the details matter, that we can glorify God in the smallest thing of our lives. It's not the grand, big things that we do. God is very pleased with those small things that you do every single day to love him to love someone else even when nobody's is even when nobody's looking even when nobody's giving you recognition God is saying I'm very concerned about the details so much so he gave Moses all the measurements everything down to the inch of what he wants his house to look like God wants our very best he deserves the very best but there's an issue brothers and sisters here you go back to that uh, tabernacle. There's an issue, brothers and sisters, that even our best, if you were an Israelite during this time and you stood outside this tent and you looked at that tabernacle, you still realize that I just can't approach God's house. Even when my best is still not perfect, and God's standard is perfection and holiness. That's humbling, ain't it? But there is some, some silver lining in that, that, that it's, it's God who uses our best, but it's only through Jesus that he allows us to honor him with our best. And I think about the provision that God has made through Christ, which is the only way we can please him. And these provisions came with the new address. And that leads me to our last takeaway. We thought we, we saw God's old residence in Eden, and then we seen how God relocated to his new residence during the tabernacle. And now I want us to see God's better residence in Jesus. If you think about these supplies and these materials, you couldn't find these at the Lowe's. You couldn't find these at at Home Depot. (laughs) These materials are only found in Heaven's Depot, if you will. And John tells us in chapter 1, verse 14, that it was God who became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory Glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And it was Paul in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, where Paul reminded us that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In verse 19, he says, for in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, a.k.a. live. If you still track it with me, God's new residence is found in Jesus. That Jesus was the only fitting person to to embody the full deity of God. And not only that, that Jesus will come as a baby, you're talking about being in close proximity. He, was a, he is a real person that Mary held. She nursed him. She cared for him. She changed him. Just like little Howie we seen who was getting baptized. He grew up. And Jesus was the perfect example how we ought to honor God's presence. You think about God's presence? It was on the move. God's presence and and demons would fall down and worship the presence of God. In God's presence, people were healed, physically healed, emotionally healed, socially healed. In God's presence, people were redeemed. They were liberated. They were restored. They brought God's presence brought hope and comfort, even in the storms. Y'all been real quiet. I appreciate that. Look quieter. Because in order for us to appreciate the real present of God's presence, let me take us back to the tabernacle. Because you thought I skipped over it intentionally. I did. We can't appreciate Jesus' presence if we don't understand this image right here. Come with me back during this time and imagine we're the people of God. If you step inside that tent, that's called the outer courts. The outer courts will reserved reserve only for the Israelites. And if you move a little closer, you see that burning altar. That burning altar, if you will, it was for the sacrifices, peace offerings to God that you have to make daily for your sins. And if you will move a little further, you will see a bronze basin that was filled with water. And this was for the priests to wash themselves, to cleanse themselves, to get ready to go into the holy place. Keep walking with me. You appear before this veil, and on the other side of the veil is the holy place. And you're walking into God's living room or kitchen, if you will some furniture, some bread to eat. Again, this is for the appointed priests. And then you will see this, this golden lampstand, lampstand that was, that was burning these candles. And these candles symbolize the prayers, the intercessory prayers. And as long as those candles are burning, you can be at ease that God's prayers, your prayers are being heard by God. And then you move through, the holy place, there is this veil that's blocking you from the holies of holies on the other side and the holy place. And there was only one high priest that was appointed one time a year to make atonement for the people in order to go into the holy of holy place. There you will find the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence, literally, that was his throne. He sat on the throne. But the people of God knew that in order to progress your way closer and closer to the presence of God, you have to meet certain prerequisites. But that was Jesus. Jesus is with us every step of the way. When you think about the offering, Jesus said, I am the offering. Come on, you good. When you think about the bronze basin to cleanse yourself, Jesus says, I already cleansed you, Jacob. You good. Come on. When you think about going into the holy of holy and you look at that candle burning that symbolized the prayers, the intercessory prayer, Jesus says, brother, my sister, I've been praying for you since day one. I'm still interceding on your own behalf. And when you get before that final veil that blocks you from the holy place, from the holies of holies, Jesus says, do you remember Matthew tells us in John, I mean, Matthew chapter 25, that when he was on that cross, that through his sacrifice, the veil was torn from the top and the bottom. And Jesus says, come on, you good. And because his sacrifice, we have access. God is drawing us to himself because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody gets to the Father except through him. What do we do with this church? We brag on God. We make much of his presence. We don't forsake any opportunities of being close to him. When he's pursuing you, when he's knocking on the door of your heart, when he's calling something out of your life, open your hands, open your heart, because you can I'll go ahead, clap, <laughs> praise God. Because one thing the gospel teaches us, the one thing the gospel reminds us, that God has always been committed to making himself accessible to his people. We can have comfort because it's God's presence that's not only before us. It's on the side of us. It's above us. It's behind us. But it's in us if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ's finished work, that he was that one, that one time and ultimate sacrifice that laid down his life to appease the holy wrath of God, to spare us from that holy wrath of God, the holy judgment of God that will cast us away from his presence. But if you said yes, To Jesus, there's a lot of comfort to come from that truth. There's a lot of assurance that this life, it ain't it. It gets better. Because on the other side of heaven, there will be a day when the son say, Yes, daddy, I hear you. And it's time for him to step down off his throne and to come back and to clean house. It's going to be a final cleaning. There's going to be sin hidden in the crevices. There's going to be suffering over on the baseboard. There's going to be cancer and disappointment and anxiety and depression. He's going to wipe all of that out. Amen. And we will forever dwell in a new place, a new heavens and a new earth, forever with the Lord Jesus Christ, forever with all the saints that have gone before us. Worshipping the lamb that was slain on our behalf. Go with hope. Go with peace. Go with strength. Endure. Not in your own strength, but in his. Who it dwells in his people. Who has finished the work that we can rest in, that we can trust in. What a good God.